Never trust a bitch who finds love in a camera She will fuck you then turn around and fuck a janitor Set the parameters You either with the pro ballers or the amateurs I won't let you ruin my dreams Or Harvey Weinstein the kid Good morning Matt Lauer Can I live? Welcome to The Good Life Where we talk all things money, culture, leisure I was gonna start the episode off with uh, Chinese leafy greens ranking <laughs> How fucking crazy would that be? You know, with A Choi versus Choi Sum versus Guy Choi, uh, duking it out with Snow Pea Leaf at the very top. But um, figured, fuck that. I'm not going to open up with a Chinese Leafy Greens ranking. So um, I did want to open with the concept that Krishnamurti, the philosopher, talks about of completely opting out of the game, uh, which is another mind fuck too, because when you totally opt out of the game, you don't even play the game. You just completely withdraw and say, uh, I don't play finite games. I don't play infinite games. I don't do anything. It's essentially kind of how it ties in with the Tao Te Ching, where you just sink deeper and deeper. I guess sinking isn't the right word either, but you just kind of remove yourself and say, I'm focusing solely on my mind. I'm focusing solely on my happiness, my peace, you know, my, uh, my being. I'm totally outside of the system. It kind of goes hand in hand with on how you can win in life, right? You can win inside the system, working in office job, et cetera, or you can win outside the system, uh, building your own business, being an entrepreneur, things like that. So you have inside the system, outside the system, and then you have Krishnamurti kind of overarching all of them saying, fuck both of those. I'm just going to completely opt out of the game. Incredibly powerful strategy too. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and I think it's a huge, uh, another mental shift away from why are you doing what you do, what you do every single day when you could just be like Krishnamurti and totally opt out. And then I also want to talk about Sauterne, uh, which is a sweet dessert wine from the Bordeaux region of France, uh, made predominantly with Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon grapes. And the dessert wines and the sweet wines are super out of fashion lately, probably for the past 20 years. It seems like with Sauterne, the only people that really drink and buy it are people over the age of 50 or 55. Uh, which is kind of fitting. That's why I have a lot of it, even though I'm only 37, because I think mentally I'm, I don't know, 70, 75-ish or something. But uh, people are finding out, like, the trends that aren't cool or the things that nobody's buying or doing or the brands that have gone out of favor. Actually, the the play and the arbitrage play and the advantage is to actually buy those things, stockpile those things, flip those things or be on those things before everyone else, just simply because the price is so way down and they're totally mispriced. And Sauterne is, in the wine world at least, I would say next to Italian red wine, uh, Tuscan red wines, I would say that Sauterne is the most mispriced wine in the world. I mean, these these wines can age for 50, 60, 70, 80, 150 years. Uh, I know Richard Oni was talking about the best bottle he ever drank was like an 18... 18- 64 Chateau de Chems, so which is a dessert one. It's the best of the best. D apostrophe Y-Q-U-E-M. And the thing with Sauterne is you can buy them in half bottles, which sometimes can be like $25 or less, and then this full 750 size, which can be anywhere from like 50 to, uh, I don't know, 1,000 or whatever, depending on the vintage, depending on the producer. But whenever you buy these, again, they'll last forever. If you buy the half bottles, you can just pop those every two, three, four, five years and check in on them. So I, I would advise, like I always advise when you buy pretty solid wine that you're going to uh, spend some time with, spend some years with, buy three to six to a case 
usually with Sauterne, I'll buy six half bottles and usually three full bottles, uh, same producer, same vintage. And this kind of ties back into what Antonio Galoni was saying too when he talks about wine collecting, how you should focus on producer. Maybe only have nine or ten producers in your entire cellar and just go deep on the producers. Have every vintage, have each vineyard if they have um, vineyard-designated wines, like single vineyard wines, uh, buy three of those in each vintage. Plus if they just have like a basic estate wine that's a they are blended from different vineyards, whatever, essentially buy every single version of the producer's wine that they produce in every vintage as much as you can and go deep. And it really focuses you to whittle down your wine producers, kind of like on social, whenever you're following uh, all these people on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, YouTube, I recommend following less than 50 people. That's it. Uh, then inversely posting a fuckload of content. So you kind of like with wine producers, you, you only want to focus on nine to 10, maybe 15 tops from the great wine regions of the world, of course, and go deep on them. So focus, focus, focus. It's, it's a piece of wisdom, I guess, with collecting anything, right? Um, that's high end. I mean, purses, for example, if you're a woman who buys a new purse every season, buys six purses a year, six, six Louis Vuittons or Gucci or Fendi, whatever, uh, why don't you just buy two Hermes? Why don't you buy one Kelly and one Burke in a year? Or why don't or, you know Constance, whatever bags you like? Or why don't you buy uh, you know two Goyard bags or two classic Chanel bags a year instead of buying seven Louis Vuittons, et cetera, et cetera? So find the producer if it's Hermes, if it's Chateau de Cam, if it's Chateau Clemens, C L I M E N S, which I think is probably the best value in all of Sauternes. Uh, Second growth in terms of Bordeaux uh, Sauternes rankings. There's like first, second, third, fourth, fourth growth, all that stuff with Chateau de Cam at the top. And then the the second growth Sauternes producers are actually where the values are, kind of like with regular Bordeaux as well. So get the second growth, uh, buy half bottles, buy lots of them. And it's funny because Sauternes is so delicious. You drink it at the end of a meal. You usually, you don't even need a dessert with it. If you're going to actually eat something sweet with it, have it be kind of like a tepid, semi-sweet apple apple based dessert you no know, ice cream ice creams will fucking wreck your palate but if you want like apple tarts any kind of like uh, bread pudding type things those go well with sauterne but sauterne in and of itself is a complete dessert uh, in one wine so a half bottle will get four people nice and happy after a meal just make sure that you're not so fucked up where you can actually remember what the sauterne tastes like because it's so fucking good. People, again, like people that are into wine love, people that are not into wine, they're like, what the fuck is this stuff? Um, it is the best dessert wine in the world, hands down, no question. It blows port out of the water uh, and nobody is drinking sauterne, S-A-U-T-E-R-N-E-S. Find it, taste it, try it, buy it, stockpile this stuff. It's been mispriced for the past 15 years. Nobody is buying and drinking it. Certainly nobody's Instagramming outside of like James Molesworth and like me. And I haven't even Instagrammed in like two years. So um, this stuff is amazing. And every time you drink it, you're like, holy fuck, why am I not buying more of this stuff? So it comes down to discipline. It comes down to listening to yourself when you walk into a wine store and say, oh, uh, what do I buy? Do I buy Napa cabs or do I buy, oh, Bordeaux, this red Bordeaux looks good. Oh, I should, I should get Burgundy because it's the best, right? No. You should get some Italian red wine, some Grosjean champagne, and a lot of Sauternes. So uh, drink some Sauternes. It's really, really good. I think it'll improve, improve your quality of life. Uh, you can impress your friends, impress your spouse. Nobody's drinking this stuff. Uh, and it is really, really uh, fit for kings. I mean, this stuff is royalty. So uh, fuck, Richard only wrote a whole book on Chateau de Chem, an um, entire book on them. And it's no surprise that uh, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy uh, 
bought Chateau de Cam right as Richard Orney was publishing his book on them. And you can read all about it in his autobiography and his his journals, I should say, called Reflections, R-E-F-L-E-X-I-O-N-S. Really interesting and fascinating story about Sauterne and really gives you an appreciation for that wine, which might seem old-fashioned or, you know, sweet wines aren't in style, but this isn't just sugary sweet. This is just like ripe fruit, exotic, royalty. It's class. It's, it's pure class, and it's really fucking delicious. So please go out and buy some Sauterne and drink it. Then when you're washing your wine glasses, f- fucking doing dishes Whatever you've been drinking is the worst. I just broke my Zalto Universal glass. It sounds so fucking douchey when I talk about this. Zalto is like this wine glass manufacturer, right? And like they make this, you know, they make like dessert wine, champagne glasses, not dessert wines, dessert wine glasses, champagne glasses, red wine, white wine glasses. But they have this universal glass called the Zalto Universal glass. You can use it for everything red, white, rose, whatever dessert wines. And I've had mine for two or three years. It's a $50 glass. And I was washing it. I had I've been drinking with dinner or something and I broke. It was fucking shitty and my wife looked she gave me the evil eye. I was like, What was that noise? And I said nothing. It was the uh, soap dispenser. <laughs> She's like, What the fuck? Did you break another wine glass? So it's just I guess breaking wine glasses comes with the territory. But I want to talk about doing dishes whenever you're cooking and how that's a huge hack too, because mo- like the best home chefs and people that are home cooks, people that just cook in their house, which I'm a huge advocate for, as you know, um, cook in your house as much as possible. But after two or three days straight, you're going to get fucking sick of it, and you're going to say, I'm too tired, I can't do this. So here's a quick heuristic or hack. Just do dishes while you're cooking. It sounds super simple, but I don't think many people do it. And it's a lot easier, too, when you have a spouse or your partner or someone helping in the kitchen with you. Um, even your kids, you make, just make them do dishes and set the table and pour the waters and light the candles uh, because, it, obviously, a team in the kitchen is the best way to do it. It is the most efficient way. So it's a huge time hack. It probably saves you 15 to 20 minutes, maybe half an hour per night whenever you do dishes while you're cooking. Uh, so uh, do them fast, do them quick. You can dry them as well. Just leave them in the sink, whatever. Any any little bit always helps, uh, especially when you do this shit and you're cooking in your fucking house two, three, four, five, six, seven nights in a row. Uh, no joke. So uh, I always found that helpful. I didn't really start doing that until about three years ago. I've been living in my house for since 2000, April of 2010. We bought pretty much at the bottom of the market and we've been here what for 10 years so uh i can't i wish i would have known that what i know now so you can also die rich and happy that's the other funny thing i've been thinking about a lot about too is whenever you're uh when people talk about oh you can uh, die rich but you're gonna have shitloads of money but you won't be happy but some people say, fuck it, I'm just going to spend all my money. Like, why am I even delaying my gratification and in investing and putting all my money away for, for a later time? I could be dead. Look at Kobe. Uh, look at this coworker I had who just died two weeks ago. He was 43. It's like, fuck, man. But the good news is you can die rich and you can die happy. Uh, the two are not mutually exclusive. So key, though, is to build, you have to build the infrastructure out in your 20s and 30s. So your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even up into your hundreds. I mean, by the time we get there, science will probably let us go to, or allow us to live to where, I don't know, 105 or so, 110. Do you want to do that? I don't know, but um, you can listen to this podcast. Uh, I'm sure it'll be out in the internet somewhere. You can keep listening, and you, I'm sure social will be. There, there'll be so much fucking data and media online that you can just <laughs> sit in this catatonic, infinite jest state where you're just sitting in front of television in your diaper, uh, drooling out of your mouth, uh, t- 
talking to about at, at that point alexa will probably be like that <laughs> measure like are already connected to your brain wavelengths and your thought process and they don't know what what you need before you even need it so if you just want to listen to audio or you want to do your augmented reality or vr stuff or whatever you can just do that forever that's actually kind of funny now how david foster wallace was right about infinite jest he was just wrong about the medium where we we're all just watching a movie called infinite jest or i think it's now just infinite social and it's just 24 it's just <laughs> totally consuming while we sit there and uh it was hilarious mr money mustache was talking about this this if you look at the pendulum of luxury how at some point deep down we all want to be just floating in infinity pools with uh servants bringing us luxury meals like four or five times a day and in between meals bringing us boxes of luxury goods and unwrapping them before our eyes until we're just so content happy or so or we tell ourselves we're happy but uh the only thing that will make the whole situation better is if we had a catheter hooked up in a bedpan right next to the pool <laughs> so that actually might not be too far off in the future uh in terms of where we're headed as a species, uh, fucking wild, right? Los Angeles espera. Es el fuego que yo conozco. Es el fuego que yo. Ya te va en la mañana. Los Ángeles esperará Es el fuego que yo Conozco Es el fuego que yo